Welcome to the PMPA's Speaking of Precision podcast featuring your hosts, Carly Kistler-Miller, David Wynn, and Miles Free. Hi, I'm Miles Free, and welcome to PMPA's Speaking of Precision podcast. Carly Kistler-Miller and David Wynn have joined me today, and we are going to discuss precision ground bar stock. Welcome, Carly. Welcome, David. Thanks, Miles. Thank you, Miles. Okay, so we're talking about bar stock. So let's just do the, how are they centerless ground? That's that's great. Uh, the centerless grinding process is an important process because it adds value to a bar that doesn't have the advantages of centerless ground. So uh, typically a cold drawn bar is supported uh, you know, over its length and fed into a machine that has a pressure wheel and an abrasive wheel. And as the bar advances forward, the abrasive wheel takes small amounts of removal by grinding from it. And the, uh, the stock removal is determined in advance so we can get the tolerance and get the finish. And in some cases, we may need to take multiple passes to get exactly what we're trying to do. So why do we need to do this? Well, it's important for um, jobs, especially if you've got like a tight surface finish. You've got some uh, jobs, maybe you got to hold a 16 RMS on an OD for a long shaft. And I've done this before in the shop where we would have these long shafts that we would start with ground and polished stock we would run the part and then afterwards we would burnish the part on a cogstill burnishing machine. We could hold like an eight, eight to nine RMS with starting with the ground stock. If you started with cold finish stock, there's no way we could burnish it to that. We would have to grind after machining. Yeah. The, the ground, the ground uh, finish is much more uniform than the random uh, finish on cold drawn and makes it uh uh, much more amenable to that kind of improvement and reaching R8. I mean, RA8. Nobody, nobody, no, no cold drawer would quote that. Yeah, and, and in a Swiss machining environment, you know, you want to run ground stock. It's not always um, economic to do so for customers because uh, sometimes you just can't quote a part with using ground stock. But anytime you're running a Swiss machine, if you run ground stock, you're going to wind up with better parts. So you need it when you need close tolerances and a smooth surface finish? That nails 90% of the use cases. Oh, okay. We're done. Podcast over. <laughs> it really does. So the customer requirement is a very demanding surface finish, as, as David indicated, an N8, RA8, is that's not achievable through run of the mill. Production oh, well methods. done, sir. Okay. The customer does need a very limited size tolerance. And, and maybe, maybe the customer being our shop, we just don't have the capacity in our machine to handle a lot of variability. So that tight tolerance is necessary, maybe not for work holding, but in relation to all the geometric things we're trying to achieve on that part without having to take additional stock removal. Um, it, it, the other advantage is, there's kind of an unseen advantage is, it's one last uh, means 
of ensuring that there are no residual surface imperfections like seams from the raw material. So in cold drawing, there's very little stock removal. There's no stock removal. I mean, we, we shot blast it or in the old days we'd pickle it. So that some of that bark comes off, but uh, if, if there's any residual seams, they, they could, they could still be present in, in the material. This grinding removal gives us another couple thousands of uh, assurance that there's no seams uh, there. And the other thing that happens, the bar grinders do a really good job of holding dead length. Yeah. They, they do a really good job of holding uh, to dead length. So, so, um, those are those are the main advantages, and there's there's one kind of commercial advantage to ground stock that people can throw tomatoes at me once they hear this. If you're driving, put down your cup of coffee. <laughs> um, one of the advantages is that the bar grinder will actually have material in stock for delivery and in a smaller quantity, a quantity you actually can use, not mandating a 20 ton minimum order this is very true (laughs) yeah no it's 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 true because so many times when you're looking you you need uh, an oddball size of 17.4 ph you're going to go to a grinder and they're going to have 17.4 ph on the floor that they can grind for you and get you something quickly a lot of times you've got a one to two week delivery from a grinder versus trying to get a mill run of 5,000 pounds 10,000 pounds and you're waiting six months till october Yeah. yeah right Okay, so should we dig into the whys a little more? Absolutely. Okay, so you were talking about the demanding surface finish. So I was talking about a job earlier that, you know, we used to run a job that had to be, um, it was a hydraulic pump piston. And so we started with ground stock and that helped us hold everything tighter. And then we still got it ground after machining, but starting, if we didn't start with ground stock, we wouldn't have been able to hold the concentricity and the roundness to the level that we would have been able to, um, to do otherwise starting with cold finish stock. So getting that ground material first allowed us to hold the tighter tolerances and then send it to a grounder for after to a grinder for afterwards. Um, another thing that you would use it for is if you're doing tight tolerance turns, on like a Swiss machine where you need to hold something really close. You need to start with a material that has um, better conditions. It, the material's smoother. It's easier to cut. The work holding holds better and all those types of things. So David, when, when you say a tighter tolerance, I, I think it's important that we explain that on, uh, on a level two uh, ground bar, the tolerance is a thousand, 0.001 inch. On uh, a level three ground bar, it could be one more decimal place. It could be eight, ten thousandths would be your total tolerance for uh, for for deviation of dimension. So eight tenths. I mean, there's I don't know how many of those there are in the thickness of a sheet of paper, but it's close to four. <laughs> Between three or four, uh, divide a sheet of paper the hard way into four four more pages. And that's the tolerance on a level three ground bar. So the, the there's levels that indicate the tolerances. I, you mentioned two and three. Is there right. a level one? Well, uh, level one would be not ground. It would be called tron bar. And, ah. and, and the same thing applies to the surface finish. So 
for level one ground and polished uh, RA, which is measured in micro inches, it would be 40 micro inches. And, you know, that's, that's nice. Uh, but for level two, we can get to three quarters of that or 30 micro inches. And uh, by the way, uh, for, for level three, we can cut that original one in half or 20 micro inches. This is pretty doggone smooth. <laughs> it sounds it. I can't even like mentally wrap my head around how tight this is. Right. And, and that's, that's why, you know, this is called precision ground bar stock. This is not run of the mill material. This stuff is special handling, special care. And as you can see, the level one, level two, and level three, they cut, I mean, literally we're going from level one to level three, we're cutting the tolerance in half. Okay. So, so there's, there's substantial, there's significant improvements in performance achieved uh, by the processor to, to get us there. Yeah. And when you start dealing with ground stock like that too, the, the surface finish, when you get that low, when you're around 20, it feels wet to the touch, even just handling it. The bars are slick because they're just so smooth. And another thing that you run into is that the surface finish, they take off the hardening from the cold finishing. So the cold finish bars have like a little bit of a hardened outer layer on them. And when you grind them, that's gone. And so the bars scratch real easy. They have to be handled carefully. You have to be careful when you're feeding them. You know, if you're using like an old screw machine and feed fingers, you got to use scratch proof fingers, um, rubber feed fingers, rubber collets, and those types of things, because it's, it's real easy to scratch that material. But this is all the customer saying they need this tolerance, right? Is this coming in on the, the quote or the spec or the print or I'm using all the wrong words well, here? Well, so the, that's that's really a, an insightful question, Carly, because, you know, I always, I, my third sermon of the week is always about contract review. Right. And the customer knows what they want. They may not know what you need to do to get it. Ah. And that is the real value add that our engineers, our quoters, our estimators, our programmers, that's the real value that the people in our shops add is they help the customer achieve their dream part. Ah. And we know how to do that. And maybe we can say, if we buy this premium material, we don't have to move heaven and earth on our machines and use, you know, synchronize this and do that and everything. And in order to get the geometry, we can start with such a, a workpiece that is so true and, and the geometry is controlled on the surface that the activities we do to create the other geometries all fall into the tolerance that the customer desires. So in some cases, our machines will dictate to us we need better than standard quality feedstock. Mm -hmm. But in many cases, we're going to invest in more expensive feedstock to better achieve, to better assure that what the customer has specified can be achieved in a, in a robust and repeatable fashion. That's what the secret sauce of our shops is, is, uh, you know, knowing what to do when you get that quote in, when you get that print in and you're looking at the contract, we figure out 
how to make it. A lot of times an engineer designs a part, but they really have no idea how it's going to be made. And that's where we really, well, that's, that, that, that's true. 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 <laughs> I wish I could, his hand up I wish I could say it was, was only the young ones, but I've seen some old engineers make some crazy doggone part, part prints. So <laughs> it's true. What he said, what he said. <laughs> so yeah. now does the equipment that it's being run on, does that, does that have anything to do with the choices? It does uh, have some differences. So, you know, in a Swiss machine, we want to run ground stock if at all possible. But in some ways it doesn't too, because you, I mean, you can run ground stock on an old 1930 screw machine and get similar results. It's just a matter of looking at that contract and reviewing that part print and trying to figure out what is the best way for me to accomplish this job for the customer? How am I going to make this the cheapest and best? It's our highest and best use. Wow, I, I, I'm not going to add anything to that, but I will ask you a question. So when your company started originally, you, you talked about having that brownie. You didn't put precision ground bar stock in that brownie too often, did you? We actually ran quite a bit of ground stock in our brownies. Um, we probably ran, at one time, I think about 30 to 40% of all material we ran was ground stock through brownies. I sit here corrected. Cool. Yeah, it was See, related. We, we didn't have something. to grind. So uh, we didn't have centerless grinders in the shop. And so we did not have to grind. If we could get the part off and protect it and keep it from getting scratched, maybe burnish it on a secondary, we wouldn't have to grind. So you guys were overachieving social climbers at your beginning. <laughs> <laughs> this is true. <laughs> you were you were working, you were using the material to actually enhance the capabilities of your shop. Yeah, yeah, we used um, you know, we would Swiss look at quality with with brown and sharp technology. Yeah, you know, um, back in when I was in the shop, we we got a Swiss machine, and I didn't really realize until we got it in and started working with it that probably eighty percent of the work that we did on brownies was Swiss work. <laughs> okay, there you go. <laughs> You're a fast learner, I can tell that. There I'm apparently go. not. I know you mentioned something about seams. Do we need to talk any more about seams? Well, yeah. So, uh, you know, when, you, when you're working on a project at home and you go to the lumber yard and you pick up four, you know, two by fours and you pick up lumber, you know, you generally don't want the ones that still have bark on them. That's true. <laughs> right? You, you try and put those aside and then you try and find some straight ones that are, you know, kind of all wood, not all, all wood and and some bark too. And so there is the chance that there are still some remaining surface imperfections on, on bar stock if it hasn't had stock removal. So if you had a turn to polish bar, you could take your turning allowance and by golly, it's seam free. But if it's cold drawn bar and there's still a possibility, there may be some, some residual seam uh, or, or surface imperfection. And this is just one final pass to, to clean up that surface and make sure there's no bark remaining. Barkless. Okay. Thank Barkless you. bars. <laughs> wasn't there a, there was a, there was an athlete. Wasn't that Charles Barkless? Barkley. <laughs> I got Joe laughing. I, you can get the guy behind the board laughing. You're doing good as a podcaster. I'm going to remember oh that the God. next time when I order stock, I'm going to say I want barkless steel. 
you'll know if they listen to this podcast or not. Yeah, for sure. All right. So we talked about the, the tighter ranges and the levels. Is there anything else you want to talk about with regards to that? No, I, th- I think we covered it. You know, the, um, uh, the length range for, for level two and three, it's uh, one inch for level two, half an inch for level three. And uh, level one was plus or plus uh, two inch is a two inch tolerance. So, so again, we're chopping that, that tolerance in half. Which is handy on mechanical bar loaders. <laughs> oh, yeah? <laughs> yeah, when you've got the uh, tighter length tolerance on the bars, it's real handy for uh, older style mechanical bar loaders on screw machines because they load by either um, pulling the bar in back on the newer models, but the really old ones, like what we worked with when I was in the shop, we actually would push the bar end out of the spindle. And so we had to have a consistent bar length in order for it to load automatic. So you would push the bar end out the spindle, the bar would load and you would load to a swing stop and face off. Huh? look at me. I'm learning all kinds of stuff today. Yeah. So again, we're looking, you know, in, if, if you could have one word for quality besides respect, right? <laughs> uh, if you could d- use one word for quality, David has just nominated consistency. That's right. Consistency ah. is key. And, and this precision ground material is about consistency, consistent surface, consistent size, not a lot of bouncing around on diameter, right? Mm-hmm. Consistent length. So you can set it and forget it. Ah, okay. It's the Ron Popeil message of machining. Set it and forget it. <laughs> <laughs> Well, I hope somebody's <laughs> compiling a uh, phrase book, the, all the things they learned from this podcast. That's right. That's going to be a phrase we, we use for sure. And then the, the other thing you guys mentioned was the material availability. And I know, I mean, you can make a drinking game out of the word supply chain and be drunk in an hour. But um, I know it's getting better, but it's still not great. Well, a, a year ago at our National Technical Conference, uh, I was complimenting one of our presenters who was from a steel service center. And they said that if they had half a million pounds of 17.4 pH, that they could sell it all in a week. Whoa. That sounds like a lot. <laughs> that sounds like a lot, right? Is it a I lot? Mean, that's a lot. Okay. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> So it's going to be 40,000 pounds on a truckload. So that's, I don't know, uh, 10, yeah, like 12, 12 truckloads, something like that. 12 truckloads. Wow. 12 truckloads. 12 and okay, a half, I guess, to lot. be exact, but you know. Yeah. That is yeah. a lot. So it's still flying off the shelves. It's it's flying off the shelves because okay. our demands our demands have gotten more sophisticated. So our, our industries are set up to produce commodity-type materials. Mm-hmm. But as we get more and more into medical, as our population and demographics change, as we get into more and more high technology, as we get into things that aren't mechanical but electrical, like in, in, in vehicles, EVs, we need more sophisticated materials. And, you know, we've got to change the entire ecosystem to provide those kind of materials. So, so going to a supplier who adds value and adds value by maintaining it in stock and quantities that are more approachable to, 
to the needs that we have as a, as a shop, as a contract manufacturer. I mean, it's just, it's, it's a real win. Sounds like it. All right. What else do our listeners need to know? Uh, the stuff does cost more. Well, there you go. It costs more. You and what it, you pay for. It, well, it, you do, but you also pay for what you don't get. Say that again. You pay for what you don't get. So you don't get seams and you don't get. You lose material in the grinding process. Well, that's true. That's interesting. But what I was, that's yield loss. Oh. <laughs> yield loss. I start, oh. I start off with 5,000 pounds, mm-hmm. but I may, depending on my stock removal, I may end up at like 4,889 pounds. Okay. But. I have the cost of the operation to recover. I have this little bit of yield loss to recover. I have additional packaging and handling to recover. I have my cost of storing this and preserving this and, and the risk of it's perishable, right? I mean, this is beautiful material. That's the biggest problem with ground stock is the perishability. It is so easy for it to rust. It has no rust protective other than the oil they put on after they grind it. Um, you take that kind of the the hard texture off a cold finished bar. It's real easy for it to rust. It's it's scratch. It's real easy to scratch. So you need your uh, vendor to to do a good job packaging them. Um, you know they need to be boxed. They need to be typically they're layered with um, rust preventative sheets like VCI style paper and large sheets. Um, it needs to be banded up tight and done very well. Otherwise you're going to pay for really pretty material. And by the time it gets to you shipping, it's not pretty anymore. And, and so you should also talk about the handling because that perishability is handling. If we give you fine surface finish, fine tolerance, and then somebody just grabs the bar in the middle and bounces it down the aisle way to take it to the machine or drags <laughs> it on the floor. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. bad. Okay. So, uh, perishability is, is, is a concern. And so, uh, attention to proper handling is, is really important. So it's like anything, there are pros and there are cons. And you need to see which is going to work best for your, the job at that point. Absolutely. Absolutely. There's a lot of pros. Uh, the cons I say are concerns. Oh, you're on a roll today. I'm, I'm, yeah. The actor on stage <laughs> cried bread, bread, and the curtain came down with a roll. And that wraps up today's podcast on precision ground bar stock. Thank you for joining us. For additional information, please visit pmpa.org where you can find our knowledge centers filled with articles, webinars, more podcasts, and other resources for precision machining. Yes, and don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe to this podcast so you won't miss one. Plus, check out our Speaking of Suppliers podcast where we talk to PMPA technical members and learn about how they can help our shops. If you aren't already taking advantage of PMPA membership, Be sure to check out PMPA.org to learn how we can help you thrive and why is a PMPA membership important, Carly and David, because because we we are better together. together. Don't forget to join us next Monday on Speaking of Precision.